Well, we're grateful for all the things that God has done for us. And I hear from individuals who listen to the sermons on the internet or wherever it is on our website. So um, to those individuals that are not here and listening, I thank you for that. But I'm also grateful to all of you for all the blessings that um, have God, that you have brought to each other and to serving the Lord. We're grateful. And it's important that we learn how to be grateful, to be people of appreciation, to be people of thanksgiving, to be people of praise. It's important that we learn that it's a good thing to be alive. It's a good thing to have another day. It's a good thing to be able to smile at someone and receive a smile and give a hug and, you know, be a hug for someone. It's important that we see the value in all this because what it does, it helps us realize that life is safe. <laughs> a safe life. You know, sometimes we think, well, um, look at all the things going on in our world. Look at the crime. Look at the difficulties. Look at these crazy people with, you know, <laughs> just look at crazy people. And uh, <laughs> we, we recognize that it creates a lot of tension. Sometimes when you're watching the news or watching some of these things, do you just get all worked up? I mean, just inside, it's like it just starts to turmoil, starts to turn. And it's like we're not safe anymore. We're not safe. Where are we safe at? We're not safe to walk the streets. We're not safe to drive in our cars. We're not safe in the air. We're not safe in the basement. We're not safe, you know, on and on and on. The challenge is to be thankful and recognize that we are safe. And if we are safe to live. We are safe to live our life, and whether we live or whether we die, we belong to God. So we are the property of God. And that nothing, nothing is ever able to separate us. Nothing is able to come into our life that God didn't know about. That God didn't even permit you know, when you read the book of Job, I sometimes used to joke about this, that if people are having hard times in their life, they read the book of Job. Because <laughs> they want to figure out why this is all happening and all this kind of stuff. But I'm not having a hard time. Maybe, maybe I will. Maybe at the end of the day you'll give me a hard time. But I don't, I've not been having a hard time. But I was, I was thinking of Job and I was reading uh, some of his writings and things. It's important that we read what Job is thankful for, what he can't figure out. He says that God is merciful and God is gracious and God basically is good and that his relationship with God is, has been everything to his life and his family and yet he's lost everything. I mean, it's all taken from him. And he can't figure that out. Sometimes we need to know that God is sovereign. End of story. He is sovereign. But his sovereignty doesn't mean he's going to get even. <laughs> his sovereignty means that he is going to perform his will and his purpose for our life is in his hands and our world is not in the hands of some person in Washington or in Moscow or in Beijing or in India or Africa. It, the will of the world is still in the hands of God. And that what God is going to accomplish is divine purpose. 
God is going to accomplish his purpose in this world, and we might as well get in on it. (laughs) And how we get in on it is not to separate ourselves from it. So if God God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, God is at work in our lives and through our lives to touch the lives of others in a way that brings honor and glory to him. And as we bring honor and glory to him, it seems like it is that God will touch our lives in the same way. What we are speaking and seeking is really what we end up going. You know, I, I've said this the last couple of weeks that our words, our life will follow our words. Our life will follow our words. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So as we think and as we state and as we're about our living, we are giving direction. We are stating what we believe. We are stating our faith and our expectation. I don't think anything good is going to come out of this one. <laughs> Let me look for that. Where's nothing good out of this one? <laughs> or I believe that I can't see any good, but I believe God is going to bring good. So what are we doing? We're looking for the good. We're looking for God in the situation to bring about the good. In 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, Peter is writing here, and the first couple verses are kind of a, an introduction here. My dear friends, this is now the second time I've write, written to you. Both letters are reminders to you, your mind, excuse me, both letters reminders to hold your mind in a state of un distracted attention. Do you notice how many, things that, how many things try to get our attention? Do you notice what is out there going for our attention? Your, your ding on your email, on your phone, or the, <laughs> or the phone, even your phone ringing, or the advertisements and people, and there's so many things to pay attention to that sometimes we're distracted. But Keep in mind what the Holy Prophet said and the commands of our Master and Savior that was passed on by your apostles. So, there are certain things that we're not to be distracted from. Okay? The first one off, verse, verse 3 and 4. First off, you need to know that in the last days, ever since I was a child, we've been talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. That's 65, soon to be 66, years ago. (laughs) Jesus is coming back. You haven't got here yet, preacher. You think he's lost his clock. (laughs) Well, you see, the last days, and Jesus is returning, and the coming of Christ is imminent, and the, the, the world is in a place. But he goes on to say here, mockers are going to have a heyday. (laughs) Mockers. Do you know any of those? People who make fun of the scriptures, make fun of the church, make fun of beliefs, and make fun of the boundaries that God places on our life to keep us safe. People don't want those things, so they make a mockery of them. And, you know, he's been here around, t- <laughs> he's, been, he's been around a long time. And, you know, I, I, I was taken back at first when you hear the different movies, Judgment Day. How many judgment days have been in the movie theater? <laughs> I mean, we've had judgment days for forever. Yeah, what we, we're kind of like being desensitized to 
Judgment Day. We're being desensitized to evil. We're being desensitized to the things of our world that are in stark contrast to the scriptures. And we're, they're being presented as the normal. You know, I don't watch much TV in the afternoon, and that was a real thing, watch much. But uh, when I'm visiting people, these daytime shows are on and stuff, and they're all going on. And they parade across the stage these fractions of humanity and portray them as being the norm. And they look at these things as saying, this is the new normal. And there's maybe a small percentage of the population represent that faction or those individuals, but they are not the new normal. They are just an advertisement for God, (laughs) against God, and for evil. Now, reducing everything to the level of their puny feelings... Mockery of God is that we reduce everything to how I feel. If it feels good, that was in the 60s, if it feels good, do it. There are no repercussions. There are no absolutes. If it feels good, do it. If it's good for you, what does it matter? But you see, the feelings are betrayals. They betray the reality of God's word in our hearts. The feelings can betray what God has placed inside of us. And we don't want to betray those things because they are the foundation upon which we will build our lives. The foundation upon which we build our lives, you know, it's talked about in the uh, song that we sang, uh, that our, our life isn't built on sinking sand. You know, how many have been to the beach? Stand on the beach, water washes in, washes out, washes in, washes out. What happens to your feet? (laughs) They just keep on sinking. Well, our life that the Jesus Christ is a solid rock, that the foundation that God gives us in the scriptures and in his word are a founding principle so that when the difficulties come, when the things that are paraded across the screen of life and they are complete contradictions to the scripture, we feel a firm foundation. We feel a security about who we are and about our life. That God is, God is in control and that I am surrendering myself to him. Now, they conveniently forget, verse 5, they conveniently forget that long ago all the galaxies and this very planet were brought into existence out of a watery chaos by God's word. If God's word, not if, when God's word spoke into existence the universe, when God's word spoke into existence the galaxies, that very same word living in me song, living in me. It creates, it creates, it creates strength. It creates power. It creates love. It creates the word of God coming alive inside of us. The scriptures are very unique. Wrote a book. That book isn't alive. It's words on a page. 
And those words will draw upon, hopefully draw upon situations that we understand and we're able to draw strength from. The scriptures are not words on a page. The scriptures are alive. They are active. They are quick. They are powerful. They go to the very heart of the matter inside of us, and the heart of the matter is what I understand, not just what I feel, but what I understand is truth. And that truth is the foundation upon which I will build my life. Yes, there are going to be questions. Yes, there are doubts, and yes, there are things that we don't understand. But God is my place of refuge, a very present help in time of trouble. When I face the difficulties, I am able to call upon God's word, like whenever we pray. When we pray for someone who is ill, our prayer is, God, by your stripes we are healed. Therefore, I pray for who is sick, their name and whatever, and I ask you to heal them. God, I need what? What is the need? What is the scripture that is associated with that need? We pray that scripture with the need. I need financial help. God, you are the supplier of every need. Therefore, I pray for your blessing to be upon my life and upon my gifts and upon my, my works and upon what I'm doing. I ask, oh God, for you to meet the need of finances in my life. Indebtedness. God, I ask you for you to come to my life and that we would, that we would be lenders and not borrowers. <laughs> that we would prosper even as our soul prospers. So we find that there is a connection between the need of our life and the word of God and the word of God becoming active in the prayer. I'm asking God to come alive in my life and in the needs that I face each day, in the, in the things that I, I need to do, the wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply the knowledge to the situation. You can have, <laughs> you can have an engine. You know, I know very little about engines and mechanics. I just know enough to tear them apart and can't figure out how to put them back. So <laughs> the engine... If you have enough wisdom and training, you have the knowledge to be able to put these things back together. I remember when David, he had this um, old <laughs> Volvo that we purchased here in town. And it was like 10 years old when he bought it, when we bought it. He took it out, and he was driving and so on, and he was having a problem. Took it to one, took it to a dealership. It's going to be $3,000 to fix it. Took it to another individual. He says, well, maybe it's this problem. We'll tear this apart and look at it, and it'll be at least 4000 to fix it. So David found out about this guy who deals only in Volvos and only in old ones. <laughs> so he called him up, and he said, this is a problem I have. And the guy says, well, there's a wire on your steering column. If you, if you go down to where that, that steering column comes together at the bottom, if you take that wire and check that fuse, you'll probably find out what's wrong. That was it. Every one of the other solutions was tearing the car apart, and none of them was with that wire. <laughs> so wisdom, wisdom is the ability to understand what's going on and being able to fix things and put things within the perspective 
of what's, going, what's happening. So you see, wisdom is about taking what is presented to us, and when we are all upset, oh my gosh, there's going to be $3,000, there's going to be $4,000, it's a 30-cent fuse. <laughs> you see, looking for and searching for the answer. And God is a way of directing us. God has a way. See, you see, whenever we are praying about things and praying about direction, well, like David, when he went to El Salvador, he went there to visit. <laughs> he ended up being there nine years, and now it's 15 years or whatever, somewhere in that category. And God directed. And in our life, we're looking for the same things. We're looking for, <laughs> I, I was, uh, for, my, for the book, there's um, a lady that probably... Well, I don't think any of you have ever met. How many years ago? I don't even remember. Maybe 25, 35. It couldn't be 35. So probably around 30 years, maybe 28 years ago, an individual, um, their child was killed in a car accident. And being able to be with that person and help them through that process has been one of the main situations in my life that's kept me in this direction of helping people who are hurting and is one of the fundamental things behind this book. <laughs> and it was the loss that was created that not only um, helped me in who I would become, but was also in helping her and helping her family through that turmoil and through that difficulty has brought many different things together for caring for people who are grieving and those who are bereaved. You see, there are, how can we give thanks when something hurts? How can we give thanks when things don't work out? How can we, we see, somehow we've got to see that God is there and you see, whenever we look at our life, God is here. God is here in our life. He was here yesterday, and he'll be here tomorrow. That God is with us, and we don't have the foggiest notion why things happen the way they do. But we know that God is with us, and his word comes to our heart and to our lives, and it, it goes into that situation, helps knit it together, helps heal its wounds, helps bring it together so that we can live the life that God has for us to live. And you see, we can't allow the mockers, and we can't allow, well, if Jesus would have been here, I mean, he healed the blind guy, why couldn't he have healed his friend Lazarus? And Lazarus wouldn't have died and put the family through all this difficulty. We don't know that until Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And in our lives, sometimes we're waiting for the until. <laughs> we, don't, we know the one thing, God did this, and, that, and then this happened. Now where is he? He's still here. His word is still alive and still active. You know, the other scripture that, well, I want to, this, this, but when the day of God's judgment does come, it will be unannounced. You see, God is coming back. And all of the people, all of the people, you, I, and the good, the bad, and the ugly, that's a movie, the good, the bad, all of us 
are going to stand before God. All of us. People don't get away with anything. People will be rewarded for every good thing. Never become weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap a harvest. Don't, get be, don't become upset because I do all this good and somebody else gets the, gets the promotion. God is in charge. And you cannot give a cup of cold water without there being a reward for it. You can't give it without there being a reward. God knows the intentions and the gifts, the deposits you make in other people's lives. No one may ever see it. God does. When you do the good, when you smile on the phone. (laughs) How many people smile when you're talking on the phone? Yeah, why? Because it's transferable. (laughs) That people know whenever you're, hello, I hate you, (laughs) and you're smiling. (laughs) No, they 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 don't go together. But we say, hello, oh, it's so nice to hear from you. Even if it's not, it's so nice to you. What are we doing? We're giving thanks for all things that God is at work, even in the things that we don't understand. And everything here will, everything here today is going to be gone sometime. So what are the things that are going to last? The things that are going to last are the things that God is involved in. The things that are wrapped around, integrated into the word. Daniel, <laughs> Daniel, Daniel chapter 6. Now, I, I, I put this together because of, well, you'll figure it out. If you can't, then I didn't put it together very well. Uh, Daniel, how old do you think Daniel is in Daniel chapter 6? This is when King Darius and he's thrown into the lion's den. How old do you think Daniel is? Any takers? 20, 30, 50 How many think he's 80? (laughs) He's 80. He's 80 years old when he's thrown into the lion's den. So you, how many here are above 80? Two, we got two takers. All right, (laughs) maybe one, I don't know. How old are you, Bob? Yeah, 84, 86. We got two that are above 80. Just Just think about this. On your 80th birthday, you get thrown into the lion's den. Okay. How many of us would think that by the time I'm 80, I'm done with all the tests? (laughs) You know? I'm done with all the tests of life. I'm done with all the problems of life. But you see, we're never done. We're always in the place of living. Now, here is Daniel... And he has survived the fall of the Babylonian Empire. And now he is, he is um, there's 120, I believe. There's 120 governors over the, the provinces of the Medes and the Persians. And of those 120, there are three vice presidents. Daniel's a VP. Now, they don't like Daniel. So they decide they're going to look through his life. They're going to do an audit of Daniel. They're going to figure out something that he's done wrong. Guess what? They can't find it. Here's an 80-year-old man who has served the Babylonian Empire since he was in his teens, 
He was taken captive with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were in their teens taken to Babylon. Babylonian Empire has fallen, and Daniel has transitioned into the Medes and the Persians, and he is still in leadership. Well, these people don't like him. He prays every day, three times a day. He's a fanatic. (laughs) He can't be bribed. He will not condescend to bad-mouthing other people. He will only provide justice in what he does. So when you're doing good and people try to tear you down for it, don't worry. Stay true to your prayers. You see, how did Daniel prepare for the lion's den? He prepared for the lion's den by praying every day before the trouble came. Well, he's a godly man. He, he is serving God. Shouldn't have God kept him from the people who were against him? Shouldn't God have silenced them? How does God silence people? He lets them stick their foot in their mouth. <laughs> okay? They get to stick their foot in their mouth. The old cliche, you give them enough rope, you give them enough rope, they will hang themselves. Perfect example. Here's Daniel. So there are 120 governors, three vice presidents, and the two vice presidents and a bunch of the governors come up with a scheme. They can't find anything wrong with Daniel, so let's go to the king and appeal to his ego. He is a fool for being, you know, we can fool him. So they go to the king, King Darius, and he's the Medes and the Persians. They go to King Darius and they say, Darius, Oh, great king, live forever. All of us, all of your servants have gotten together and they want, we have come up with an idea. We want you to sign a decree that no one can pray to any god or anybody else but you for 30 days. King, hey, it's pretty good. Everybody wants this from me. Yes. (laughs) So he signs the decree. The Medes and the Persians, if you wrote something into law, it was not, you were not able to amend it. You are not able to change it. So what happens? Daniel's praying. They found the very thing that Daniel was doing that was right and turned it around to be wrong. Have you ever done the right thing for the right reasons and people turned it around to be wrong? In the last days, people will look at that which is right and say that it is wrong. And you see, what happens in our society of twisting the moral fiber of our society happened these thousands of years ago with Daniel, and they twisted his good into that which is evil. And so they made him pay for his goodness by throwing him into the lion's den. How do you prepare to get thrown into the lion's den at 80 years of age? (laughs) I'm sure Daniel was at peace. Why? Because he knew that God was under control. He knew the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They threw him into the fiery furnace, and they didn't get burnt. Daniel knew that he was at peace with God and that the peace with God would be the peace of God in the lion's den. So they pulled the stone off, dropped him down into the lion's den, 
and they put the seal on it. What does Daniel do? He's there all night. I don't know. You know. I remember pictures when I was a kid. Daniel's sleeping, and he's got his head on the line, you know, <laughs> and they're laying there, you know. I don't know if that was how it was. or, But Daniel couldn't have been afraid because the animals would have picked up on it. The animals themselves weren't full because we're going to find out in a few minutes what happened to the guys who tried to betray him, you know. But the animals were, their mouth was closed. So the very thing that is meant to destroy you, God can close its mouth. And the very things that people have brought up in twisting things around about you, God is the one who's going to handle it. Because with Daniel, and what happens in leadership? In leadership, there's always a faction against you. Doesn't matter. If you are in leadership, you know, one of the things I have that I'm, you know, one of the things I'm afraid of the most and I, I don't want to confess this fear. The one of the things I know God is going to help me overcome, <laughs> how about that? One of the things I know that God is going to help me overcome is that someone won't like what I've written. <laughs> someone won't like me when I preach. Do you know how hard that is? I mean, for me, it's very hard. I am a pleaser. It's not working? We'll make it work for you. What do you need? <laughs> okay, but... Daniel, how does, how does God prepare Daniel to be 80 years of old, 80 years of age, and to set up his leadership for the rest of his life and never have to face difficulties? He is going to gather them all together in one great test. <laughs> one great test. It's going to be the test in which Daniel is going to live or die, and they all plan on him dying. They all plan on him crumbling. There's no way out of this predicament. And we are going to seal Daniel's fate. You see, God has written to us that everything one day is going to be brought before him. He knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart. He's going to, he's going to work in our life in a way that we never thought or dreamed. That God is capable of doing anything and everything. And it hasn't even entered into your minds what God can do. So, God is in charge. Daniel's in the lion's den. The king comes to Daniel and says, <laughs> and he says to Daniel, O king, live forever, said, oh, here he goes, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve so loyally saved you from the lions? <laughs> Can you imagine in the darkness of the pit, you hear this voice, O king, live forever, said Daniel. Oh, wow, this guy's alive. You know, name me one person who's been in the lion's den and survived. Name me one person who's been swallowed by a whale, a great fish, a prepared fish, traveled to the place where he was supposed to go and put him on dry land and said, get going, Daniel. I mean, Noah, no. Jonah, see? See if you were paying attention. So Daniel... My God sent his angel who closed the mouth of the lion so that they could not hurt me. He didn't say they couldn't eat me. They can't even hurt me. I've been found innocent before God. And also before you, O king, I've done nothing to harm you. You see, we've done nothing to harm the people around us. We haven't talked about them. We haven't belittled them. We haven't condemned, condemned them 
we've not found fault with him when other people did? Because we recognize being in leadership or being whatever, we don't go there, we don't gossip. We don't talk about people. We don't tear people down or tear them up. What happens? All of the individuals who were against Daniel signed this group, came before the king, and those are the individuals that the king says, put them in the lion's den and their families, their children, their wives, and everything associated with them, throw them into the lion's den. And it says that they were torn apart before they ever got to the bottom of the, 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 ba- the, the base of the den. God prepared Daniel to be at ease for the rest of his life and his leadership. Everybody who was against him was removed by their own hand. In our lives, be faithful to what God has called us to do. And God, in the trial, will give you the strength to go through it. And that, like Daniel, he will deliver us through the trial. And no matter what the lions may be, no matter who the accusers may be, God God will see us through by his word being alive in our heart to prepare our hearts with wisdom and guidance to accomplish the task that is in our hands. Amen? It's all sent. So we're all going to stand before God. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Because our hearts are pure, God will provide us, he will provide us being faultless. If, we, if you and I think we're going to be faultless to stand before the throne of God because of, voila, <laughs> here I am. You know, I was with an individual this week, last week, and I, and I talked about forgiveness, and the person said, well, I don't know if I've done anything bad enough to be forgiven. to ask for forgiveness. And, and I said, we've all sinned. And she goes, well, I guess so. <laughs> we've all sinned. God is the one who's going to provide us faultless. He will forgive us. He will give us strength and wisdom and guidance. No matter who turns the goodness around to try and be, make it evil, Be strong in the living word and your faith is secure for an eternity. Trust God with your trial. He will close the mouths of the lions and those who are against you will find themselves in the hands of their own schemes. Father, thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for knowing our life. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the problems that we face. Thank you for the grace and the mercy that touch our lives. Thank you for the outcomes that are still to be determined. Thank you for how you will give us wisdom and guidance and understanding. In the midst of the turmoil, God, you will keep us safe. We are grateful to you and thank you, O God. You are our divine provision, not only in this life, but in the life to come. We thank you, Jesus, for saving our soul. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.